Hey y'all, I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Episode 217. So tell us all about your work party. How did it go? It went good. We won the cost. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, I was like, really? Did y'all? No, apparently they did it like a, like if you think you're good enough, like come up and it's like applause, I guess. Oh. I don't know. I kind of ducked out for that part. Yeah. But the people that did win, it was this couple and they were dressed up like Mary Poppins and Dick Van Dyke. I can't remember his character name on there. The chimney sweep guy? Yeah. And they looked so good. Oh, cool. However, one lady, I mean, killed it with her Maleficent costume. It looked so good. She, like, would even pose and stuff, too. Oh, dang. Why didn't you send any of these pictures? Because I just didn't get any of them. Oh, my God. But it was so funny because, like, Colby was like, oh, my God. Because, you know, you have to walk through the casino to get to the ballroom. Yeah. He's like, oh, my God. We got to walk through the casino. Like, you know, he's like, oh. And then, like, we step out of our room and there's, like, some of my, like, coworkers and they're like, hey, you know, all yeah. dressed up. And then we, like, the elevator doors open and there's, like, Dalmatians running around. And, yeah. You know, there was, because there's, like, 300 of us there, right. you know. And so it was so funny because he was like, oh, oh, okay, cool. Like, Meanwhile, he just looked like a guy. No, well, he had on the mustache. Well, the mustache, but, I mean, we're in the South. It was a clearly fake mustache. But, I mean, out of all the things, Colby can rock it. Oh, absolutely. He looked great. But it was so funny, though, because it was like, ooh, I don't want to walk through the thing. And I'm like, it's going to be fine, I swear. And it's it was, a casino. There is no... And you can bet your ass... Well, okay. Halfway through it, I went up to the room because, you know, bidet calling. Yes, we took it. And I took the rollers out of my hair. But you can bet your ass. I just took the googly eyes off my head and I, uh gambled in my muumuu and my slippers heck yeah i got a couple of looks but then the dalmatians walked in and i think they got it <laughs> who cares it's at a casino i don't care what you're doing look if you're good luck beside me that's all i care about if you're just sitting there and you're telling me i'm too loud that's when i care about you getting out of my face hey we won 30 bucks woot woot you know who else is winning? Patreoners! Because oh, they're getting bonus content. So, thank you so much, Kellyanne H. from Georgia. Deirdre L. from Not Sure Need Your Address. Angel B. from Wisconsin. Rebecca B. from New Zealand. Bethany J. from Canada. Jessica P. from Ohio. Crystal T. from New Jersey. And Carla P. from New Jersey. New Jersey representing. <laughs> Thank y'all so much for joining Patreon. Y'all are getting all the good good, all the bonus episodes, all the bloops, all the things. I thought you were going to say all the good good, all the bad bad. I mean, <laughs> depends on what you think of those extra slices. Ooh. But if you want all of that and an episode shout out, head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. Okay, so my story is a little different because we got some shiz to talk about before, you know, the murder. This story is a recommendation from KCS in the Facebook group. Okay, so we got to start with the FLDS church. Oh, Lord. You know, this is one of my favorites. And look, this isn't going to be a whole episode on it. There's like way, like you could do a whole series on the FLDS church. But if you don't know, they are a fundamentalist church of the Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Basically like a spinoff from Mormons. But when the Mormons denounced polygamy, that's when the FLDS broke off yeah they were like oh no uh-uh yeah we want all the wives we're so we're gonna make our own thing mm-hmm. basically the flds it's it's a cult let's call it what it is it's a cult yes. the cult is basically in a lot of places but mostly on the utah arizona border that's what it was it was like 
oh, Mormonism, cool, but let's make it a cult. Yeah, let's take it way too far. Yeah. Because that's always what happens with religions. There's always someone that takes it way too far, Mm -hmm. and then it becomes a cult. Yes. So this is absolutely nothing on Mormonism. You believe what you want to believe, even if you're a polygamist. I, you know, hey, I watch Sister Wives. I'm not even saying anything about polygamy because you're essentially just living a polyamorous life that you're happy with. If you're happy with it, you do your thing. So this is nothing on Mormonism or polygamy. Because again, you do you, boo. What it is on, well, not really, but kind of is on a air quotes church taking advantage of people who are underage and forcing them and enslaving them into marriages and sex with people that they don't want to have sex with. So basically part of the FLDS belief system is that polygamy allows for more babies, more babies equal more righteous population, and that You can't go to heaven if you don't have at least three wives. A man cannot go to heaven without at least three wives. They're also racist and believe that kids shouldn't go to mainstream school. They should only be homeschooled because it teaches things that are not of their belief system. But it's in a way to groom them and keep them out of outside view so that they can do what they want to with them. It's not just, hey, let me homeschool my kid because of whatever. Because again, if that's your belief system, that's fine. But it's a whole other thing when you're doing it to like groom them for something. Yeah, and keep them down. Right, keep them uneducated and like literally just having your offspring. Mm -hmm. I did see this, I didn't know this, but it teaches that America was colonized by a lost tribe of Israelites and was visited by Jesus after his resurrection. Okay, you can't talk about the FLDS church without talking about Warren Jeffs. So Warren Jeffs is the current leader of the FLDS church, depending on who you ask. But he took over the church when his dad got sick. So his dad was Rulon Jeffs, and he was the leader of the church for a long time. When his dad died, it said that he had 19 or 20 wives and approximately 60 kids. Ridiculous. So before Warren Jeffs became the leader, he was a teacher and then became like the headmaster of the FLDS school. So they took them out of public schools and made their own schools where they essentially just taught them the Bible and the beliefs of the FLDS church. Yes. Also, Warren Jeffs is so tall. Well, what Warren Jeffs would do is, as the headmaster, he was grooming these kids and sexually assaulting them from very young ages. Mm-hmm. So now he has access to all these kids from a young age. And so it's like, it's almost like he was set up perfectly to take over because now he's got these kids from this young age having looked up to him and trusted him even when he was their abuser because they've known him since grade school. Yeah. Warren Jeffs was also super hard on the kids, like as far as discipline. It was a very much spare the rod, spoil the child type of situation. Well, eventually though, long story short, Warren Jeffs was arrested and was sentenced to life in prison for two felony counts of child sexual assault. As of now, Warren Jeffs still runs the FLDS church cult from prison. He is in charge of deciding who marries whom and all of the things his picture is on all of the kids notebooks they think that he's the president 
they are completely conditioned to where they continuously pray for Warren Jeffs to escape. So every single hour, no matter what they're doing, they have to stop and pray for Warren Jeff's escape. In turn, he's like, I haven't escaped yet. Well, then you're not faithful enough. You're not praying hard enough. You're not, these people will fast. They'll do all these things so that God will free Warren Jeff's. And when he's not being freed because he's a fucking rapist and all these other things, then it's because they're not faithful enough. Right. It's the perfect setup for a cult leader to continue his power on them because they're not doing enough, which is why he's where he is. So as part of the cult too, Women are made to be subservient to men. There's, I mean, there's so much that we're not even going to get into, but they dress like pilgrims. They aren't allowed to have toys. And that, that some of this was part of Warren Jeff's taking over, but they're not allowed to have toys, television, books, literally anything to entertain themselves. They are just there to have babies and work. But what happens if you don't follow those rules? Of course, there's abuse and all kinds of those types of things going in the cult. But if you're a boy and you disobey those rules, they kick you out. Because in order to have multiple wives, the female to male ratio has to be off. It cannot be equal. Because if you have one person with 40 wives, Warren Jeffs, then they can't be married to multiple men. So you have to have a surplus of women compared to men. Sidebar two, when Warren Jeffs took over, he like dismantled some marriages so that he could take them on as wives and forced people to marry cousins and all kinds of things. And I'm talking, these are 12 year olds that are being forced into marriages. Mm -hmm. So the boys, and there are some girls too, but the boys that are kicked out or excommunicated from the cult are called the lost boys. Donna touched on this a little bit ago where she, like she'd never heard of it and I had never heard of it either. But basically they are teenage boys who have been excommunicated for numerous reasons. They're considered delinquent and it could be something like they talked to a girl, they watched TV, they played football, or like Donna was talking the other day, there's a man who is threatened by this younger studly man gross but you know they're threatened by this younger man who a woman may want to marry versus a woman being forced to marry this older man Mm -hmm. it's estimated that there are between 400 and a thousand young boys and men who have been kicked out of the cult and here's the thing too though they're raised in an environment where they know nothing of the outside. They have no technology. They have no education. I don't even know if they are kind of like the Amish. Do they even have birth certificates and social security right? numbers and all of that? So how do you get a driver's license? How do you get a job? All of these things. They've also been conditioned, much like the Amish too, to distrust outsiders and mm-hmm. that people are evil and awful beings. And if they're not in the cult, they're going to treat you wrong and they're going to do all this stuff. So It's like they have such a distrust of people. So it's like, how could they even get help, even if they could figure out how to do it? Because they, again, they have no education, no means to get anything. And I'm not talking like college education. I'm talking like third grade education, reading, writing, math. Like, can you function in a job? Once the boy's been excommunicated, the family's told, look, they're beyond spiritual redemption. They're dead to you now. They don't exist. So not only are they kicked out, they have no communication with their family. The only people that they know, the only people that they trust, and sometimes they literally drive down the road and drop them off on the side of the road. And it's just like, see ya. That is heartbreaking. I mean, can you imagine? And sometimes 
they leave on their own because they realize like this is fucked up i'm in a cult i'm leaving but a lot of times it's not by their choice they're kicked out and i really think that a lot of it has to do with they're going to find just like back in the day with the salem witch trials they're going to find anything that they can use against you to get what they want so oh you're a witch because i really actually i want your i want your property Mm -hmm. i like that land you got it's very fruitful and i want it so she a witch but just like this you're handsome and the girls are like talking to you and are interested in you i saw him play football like that's literally an example (laughs) i think that one was on wikipedia like i i saw him play football he's got to go Right. I saw him talk to a girl. He got to go. I mean, I don't even understand how people do that to animals. You know, like, I'm going to drive down the road and put this cat out. Much less do that to their own child. Like, 16-year-old, 13-year-old, 14-year-old son. Yeah, like, I don't understand that. But we can't understand that because we haven't been conditioned for, especially now because it's been going on Mm -hmm. for so long. The FLDS has been around for so long. Most of these people, it's literally all they know. Yeah. It's not like the cult started 10 years ago and they all lived a life before. You know, it's like Scientology now. It's like mm-hmm. the people who started it with L. Ron Hubbard have had kids and their kids are the ones that are in charge now. And those that it's literally all they know. Yeah. And at least with something like Scientology, some of them have regular jobs where they can at least look at the internet. I mean, they're fucking spinning a windmill to get you know what i mean like it's i mean they're living like a pioneer lifestyle yes well and the thing is is that like the flds really do kind of dress in that amishy pilgrim style where it's like they have like a couple of colors but like not really yeah it's like here's the colors you're allowed blue navy and black you know yeah that just reminds me for richer or for poor what yes yes with tim (laughs) allen and kirstie alley God, I love that movie. So I tell you all of that to tell you the story of Kara Hobson and her boyfriend, Parley Jeffs Dutston. So Parley was a member of the FLDS cult. Couldn't tell with the Jeffs. Right. But Parley was a lost boy. He was 16 years old when he was kicked out of the FLDS cult by the order of Warren Jeffs. And I didn't really see anything that said why he was kicked out. But, I mean, does it really matter? It could have been something so insignificant. But suffice to say, Parley had a rough go of it. But he made his way to St. George, and that's where he met Cara Lynn Hopkins. But when they got together, Parley was 19, and Cara was just 15. She was a sophomore at Murray High School, and she loved dancing and jazz, and she wanted to go to school to be an attorney. About two years after they met, they started dating, and they had been dating about a year. So Parley did exactly what you can appreciate in someone with past trauma. He self-medicated. Drugs, alcohol, just partying, and I feel like kind of trying to find his place in the world. And if you think about it too, he was only three years out from having been kicked out of everything that he knows. Parley got along really well with Kara's family. He would go over to her parents' house almost every Sunday night for dinner. And Kara's mom said he was a good guy. He was always nice, treated her with respect, had no issues with him. But on April 7th of 2007, that all changed. On that night, Parley was high. He had been smoking pot. He was drinking very, very heavily and had taken some mushrooms, like hallucinogenic mushrooms. Oh, I thought portobello. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, <laughs> I'm glad you really had to clarify that for us. <laughs> tell me you don't do drugs no. or know anything about drugs without telling me, you know, the hallucinogenic kind. <laughs> I just wanted you to know they were hallucinating. Okay, thanks. <laughs> he sauteed them. Like. <laughs> On this night, Parley was having a party at his apartment called the Willow Cove Apartments. Kara was there, and so were some other people. I never saw how many people were there, but I did see in one spot that some of them were ex-FLDS members as well. I just love that you said... She was there, and so were some other people. Well, I hope so if he's having a party. <laughs> well, it could be like me, you, and Donna. You are Donna. <laughs> me, you, and Tiffany hanging out. It's a party. It's three of us. <laughs> we're playing Mario Kart. It's fun. Oh, gosh. Now, you remember when Tiffany was in college, and she's prepping her uh, speech for speech class. Yeah, and, and I called her out. Hang out with my gang, and it's like... Uh, she was going to the casino with her crew yes that's what it was and it was me and my mama and her yeah well i'm just saying (laughs) i said your crew (laughs) so that's why i just had to reiterate they had friends unlike us (laughs) so allegedly parley had gotten a text from his drug dealer that the drug dealer is coming over and so that prompted him to get out his gun how he got a gun unsure because (laughs) do you have a driver's license are you you know what I mean like yeah I mean like I know he's a citizen that's not but like how do you how do you have any of that first of all how the fuck you know how to do that but second of all like how did you even get a driver's license do you, you know from there what I gather is that Parley wanted Kara to have sex with him in front of everybody Mm-mm. and she was like no and he's like no like we're let's like we're gonna have sex in front of me she's like fuck no get like get off of me well he starts chasing her around with the gun he gets her belt off she's like ducking and bobbing and weaving and when he goes to shoot her another party goer literally has to duck out of the way so they don't get shot and he shoots Kara in the head oh my gosh from there the witnesses said that he was like chanting a little bit and eventually like the security guards from the apartment complex came to that apartment and when they got there parley was raping kara what basically they pulled him off of her and he was like no like i wanted to rape her i was going to rape her that was fully his intent kara was like air flighted to the local hospital where just 10 hours after she was shot she was pronounced dead Oh, man. She had been completely brain dead, and so they decided to take her off life support. So, Parley was arrested for aggravated sexual assault and murder. And he decided to go to trial. Even though there's witnesses and how he was when the security guards came in, basically what the defense was saying was that he was fucked up on hallucinogenic drugs. He didn't know what he was doing. He said that he didn't remember any of it. But, like, conveniently, he could remember the stuff before he shot her. And then, but just then all of a sudden, he stopped remembering. It was just a very much a case of, like, convenient amnesia. Mm-hmm. Also, that the drugs are illegal, and they made you do really heinous shit. Sorry. Air quotes made him do. But, right. yes. Yeah, but, like. You still chose you to do that. drugs. Yeah. You still chose to 
get a gun out while you were fucked up. Like your decisions, even if you didn't mean to, the decisions that you made led up to that. So you're still responsible for your decisions. Yeah. And did you have that gun legally? I feel like you didn't. Even if you did, you shot and killed somebody. Yeah. And I never found anything from any of the witnesses. Like I never found court documents that said like, these were the words that were said. I never found much about any of it. This is a very short story because there's not a lot to it. But Parley was convicted. But here's the thing. After he was convicted, an investigator was looking at some shit and found out that a juror didn't disclose that she had been the victim of a sexual assault 25 years ago. Oh my gosh. There's a question that they had asked, like, have you ever been the victim of a crime? And she had said no. It was like 25 years ago. She was like, I didn't even think of it. The judge basically said, if the defense would have known that, they would have vetoed you, stricken you, whatever the word is, as a juror. So they overturned his conviction. What? So he was set to go back to trial. Mm -hmm. He decided not to go to trial and pled guilty with them taking away the sexual assault charge. And he was sentenced to 15 years to life. So a couple of things after that. Kara's mom, and I hope it's not Kara. I I think it's Kara, but if it's Kara, I'm so sorry I've said her name incorrectly. But Kara's mom is quoted saying like she really has mixed feelings about this because What he did was wrong. All the things. Hurting her daughter. She misses her daughter. Daughter's like the light of her life. And she's like, nothing is going to bring her back to me. But she's like, this was a good kid that screwed up. And at the end of the sentencing and all, she even asked if she could take this photo of Kara out of the frame and give it to Parley. And they were like, no, you can't. That's a security risk. But like, we'll get it to him. once. So like, she even like gave this picture of Kara to him. Mm -mm. Like, so the mom's very conflicted because it was this kid that had a rough go of it. And I think had a special place in her heart. Like, it's almost like when one of your kids kills one of your kids. Like, it seems like she's so conflicted in that way. I don't know. I just feel so, so sorry for her and their whole family. Because again, she's so conflicted. But like, He's a piece of shit because, okay, so there is this website and it's called, don't go to it, Donna, writeaprisoner.com. Parley Dutson has a profile. So the other day I was looking this case up and went to this website and I saw this whole description that he, like literally like a dating profile that he had written up. And today when I went back to like just, you know, get all the wording because I wanted to tell you what it said, site under maintenance. I was like, motherfuck. Why don't you screenshot shit? Because I didn't think of it. Okay. But I do have a little bit from like the Google like thumbnail thing that comes up. Yeah, the metadata. Yeah. And then there's part of it that I just, this is why I really wanted to read it to you. And I, of course, remember the words because it pissed me off. But basically, he says, my life became a spiral of medication and drug abuse, which led me to where I am now. Since my arrest, I've tried to improve and blah, 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 blah. But like. Tried to improve. Yeah. But he's just goes on to say like something has led you here to my profile like basically if you've been this open-minded thus far to like read my profile and all like reach out i won't bite uh no you'll shoot i wanted to throw my phone when i saw i was like you are disgusting the fucking cojones on that (laughs) motherfucker to put that shit in it I mean, like, legitimately treating that like a dating profile. Yes. But also, sir, you did bite. Like, yeah, you, you killed, killed your girlfriend. <laughs> a 
15 year old too he was like 18 19 and seeing a sophomore in high school like which i understand he was probably a a little bit delayed in his just like Mm -hmm. maturity just because of how he was raised so it's kind of apples to oranges a little bit but it's also like no like you took advantage of her you fucking murdered her yeah and then just to have this like write a fucking prison pen pal thing would it literally looks like a dating profile yeah. and like there's like pictures of him and all this stuff. and i'm just like you're disgusting yeah you are right where you need to be because if you got out you wouldn't change exactly well he has only tried to change he hasn't changed he's tried true Ugh. Also, like, I do feel bad for the mom, but I'm just like, have you not watched any true crime shows, honey? Well, I mean, good God, I did an episode on a guy that was in for murder, and then they helped get him out, and he did it again. Yeah, the preacher. So, I mean, it's like, he is where he needs to be. He's been in there for, like, 13 or 14 years at this point. I didn't see anything that said he was going to get released after 15. It's 15 to life, so hopefully it's a little more on, like, the 50 mark. Yes. But he's so young. Even if he gets out in 50 years, he's going to be like 69. Right. He could still have 30 more years ahead of him. Yeah. And I'm sorry that you did have a rough go of it, but... There are thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of millions of people who have had a rough fucking go of it, have grown up with abusive parents, have grown up with no parents, have grown up in and out of foster system, have grown up with their uncle sexually assaulting them, have grown up in cults like the FLDS church, have Mm -hmm. done... All the things that you've been through, and they didn't murder a soul. Right. So you can't use that as an excuse. Right. We can use it to understand more of where you're coming from, but that doesn't give you a get-out-of-jail-free card. Absolutely. Well, your story made me all kinds of mad, but you know what makes me happy? Felix Gray is back! Quit trying to take my job. (laughs) Y'all know we love our Felix Gray way more than we loved Donna Segways. Oh, God. But... Just kidding. Felix Gray is the shit. And the other day, okay, I have some prescription glasses that I got like 10 years ago that aren't any good, but I wear them sometimes when I'm like reading or whatever. Y'all, Jax tore them up the other day. And when I told Tiffany and Donna that Jax tore up my glasses, Tiffany's first response was, not your Felix Gray's. Literally. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, no, 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 no. these are the old ones. That just tells y'all how much we love our Felix Grays because they really do help block out 15 times more blue light. That's the blue light of phones, TV, your tablets that you're reading on, everything that makes your eyes so tired and gives you headaches and messes with your sleep. Do y'all get that reminder every week? Hey, your screen time's up because mine's always up. Uh, It's like, how can it keep going up? I mean, eventually that's going to be all consuming. (laughs) But you know what? My Felix Grays definitely help. We've talked about that. I ain't putting my phone down before I go to bed. When Donna's working, because she works on the computer way more than I do. When she's doing a lot of work on the computer, she wears her glasses too. Hers are prescription. Mine are non-prescription because I haven't gone back to the doctor. But they offer both options. And readers. And for kids. Yes. So the whole family, they got you. And I'm just saying, graduation is around the corner for some people. It had just passed, but there's still time to get this out as a graduation gift, too, because people are going off to school. They're going to be studying a lot more. Kids aren't carrying around textbooks anymore. They're getting the ebook version, so they're going to be on their shit reading. Mm-hmm. What kind of graduation gift can you get? Really freaking cool glasses that are going to help them 
block out 15 times more blue light. And so uh, when all their friends are having headaches and stuff, uh, they're not going to be. And they are so cute. Mine are purple. Mine looks sophisticated. I'm here for it. See, Donna wears the funk all the time. (laughs) She's not funky. She wears the funky glasses all the time. So she went for more like she, she. I never wear funky glasses. So I was like, I want some style. (laughs) And y'all know we have very different shaped heads. And they had a set of glasses for everyone. But like not so many options, it's overwhelming. Because if you're like me and Carrie, too many options, that gives us so much anxiety. We need just enough to be in control, but not too much to be overwhelmed. And you know what we like even more? Free shipping, free returns, free exchanges. So if you want all those options, and some amazing glasses, head on over to felixgrayglasses.com slash creep. That's F-E-L-I-X-G-R-A-Y glasses.com slash creep. C-R-E-E-P. All right, picture it. It is February 1938 in South of London. It's nighttime. You're in bed with your significant other. And all of a sudden, there's some magic going on. But it's not between the bed sheets. It's in the form of objects breaking for no freaking reason. And this is exactly what happened to Alma and Les Fielding. They were laying in bed and they were awoken by the sound of a tumbler falling to the floor and breaking again for no reason. And then just as quick as the tumbler broke, another glass seemed to be picked up and thrown against the wall and shattered into a million little pieces. Don't be breaking my shit. And don't be fucking with your sleep, right? Oh, even more important. So they just laid there silent trying to wrap their brains around what just happened when their teenage son, Don, came running in to see what the commotion was going on in his parents' room. We can all admit that Don was Lil Donna. Look, we, we can't be having more than one of you. Because, <laughs> I mean, who else is like, oh, what's that? Oh, oh, let me go see what's going on in my parents' room. They're making a lot of noise besides me and Don. Anyway, he goes running in there and he has to dodge a thing of face cream that's flying through the air being hurled at him. Then George, who was someone who was staying with them and like paying rent, he came in because he heard him shouting and stuff while he was hit by two coins, a shilling and a penny. And it had grown darker than dark in the room. So Don went to find some matches so they could kind of see and assess the situation. And when he went to the lamp by his mother's bedside, to try to find out like why her light wasn't working, well, he found that the bulb wasn't there. When he used the matches to try to help him see, he found the bulb in a chair on the other side of the room, and it was still hot to the touch. It was completely still intact, so like it wasn't like, oh, it was thrown across the room or anything, like how did it get there and not bust? Because we all know light bulbs are the easiest thing to break. Trust me, I've done it a couple of times. Mm, same. Well, they didn't know what to do, but after talking in circles, they calmed themselves down and nothing else happened, so they all went to bed. The next morning, Alma went downstairs and into the kitchen, but just as she entered, an egg was thrown and smashed against the wall. Well, and then a pan fell, and she was like, what the fuck? 
So see, Alma had seen some things earlier that week that had just felt off to her, but she had been on antibiotics and some sedatives for about a week to help with some kidney pain. So when she saw a six-finger handprint in the mirror, she chalked it up to be in the medicine, making her hallucinate. And if you play Phasmophobia, that means that the ghost is in a bake, but I digress. Also, just breaking how Carrie says breaking the fourth wall, Carrie's neighbors are mowing, almost said vacuuming the lawn, but you know, (laughs) what else? Um, But they're mowing the lawn, so if you do hear something, it's not a demon, it is someone just doing some outdoorsy shit. Well, since the weird, unexplained things were still going on, Alma knew it wasn't just the medicine. Something was really happening in her home. And this was a place, you know, that she should have felt safe in, but no longer did. She didn't know who to turn to because if you can't see the assailant, it didn't make sense for her to call the police. But Alma remembered that the Sunday Pictorial, which was a newspaper, had been running a series of supernatural happenings, and they wanted readers to submit their own stories. Sound familiar? Anyway, she was like, okay, I need to get them here now, and they can help me because obviously they know more than I do. So she called them and she was like, ASAP, you know, send an SOS. She kind of explained some stuff. And so they sent two reporters out that afternoon. Alma, being the ever-charming housewife, opened up the door to let the reporters in. But before they could even enter the home, like over that threshold, they saw an egg flying through the air and landing about a yard from their feet. She was like, yeah, mm, that happens, but let's continue. Let's go to the kitchen. And so they did. All of a sudden, a pink china dog, it started to rattle on the shelf and then it fell to the floor. And of course, broke. A dog? Mm Mm-hmm. I know. I thought it was a doll at first, but in several different things said a dog. And I was like, that's more my style anyway. Like, I just picture like, like a poodle-y looking. Yeah. Little knickknack that your mama would have. Yes. Then when they were looking down at that broken china, a can opener flew at them like eye level, but luckily it didn't make contact with anyone. And it was not like an electric can opener, like the yeah, the kind that was always so hard for me to like hook on the side. That's what I grew up on. I grew up on electric. Imagine that. But now I have one that you just place and you just tap a button and it goes around the side and does it for you. It's amazing. Okay, bougie. It's for people who have, like, arthritis. No, I know. (laughs) But it's because I can never line it up right. But on this one, it's like how to open a can for dummies. I mean, if I can do it, anyone can do it. Not sponsored, but hey, life-changing. There's so many of those, like, adaptive equipment things that OT's been using for years. They're, like, starting to hit the mainstream. Mm -hmm. And it's like, what is this? And it's like, yeah. That's been around for a long time for people with disabilities. Yeah. (laughs) Well, they didn't stay in the kitchen, but instead made their way to the front parlor where there was a saucer that started to spin. And then it looked like it was shot in one of those skeet or clay shootings. And it just like burst apart. I really thought you were going to say, oh, skeet, 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 skeet. But no. Well, while looking at what just occurred, the teacup Alma was drinking from was lifted from her hand and the saucer that was in her hand exploded too and actually cut her thumb. So she had to get that bandaged up and while they were tending to her cut, they heard some ruckus going on in the kitchen again. Turns out there was a wine glass that had seemingly been removed from a locked cabinet, had fallen and shattered on the ground, 
And then they saw another egg fly through the air and crack on the wall. What the hell with all these eggs? Right? But also a lot of egg holders, too. Like, so it's the egg and egg holder. What is the egg symbolic of? I don't know. My body shape? These reporters were bobbing and weaving to survive these attacks. They didn't know what they had signed themselves up for. Now, all the men of the house, that would be Les, Don, and their lodger, George, they were all home, but the reporter said they were not around or were not seen when these items had been thrown. But the men were in the room when there was a lump of coal that had picked itself up from the fireplace and tossed itself against the wall. And like it had went by the reporters like, whoom, right by the head. Terrible sound effect. But the Fielding family, they're all just looking at the coal on the floor and one of the reporters snaps a picture and that's the picture they used for the article and it was like, you know, a family living in fear. Ooh. Mm. <laughs> you sound like a stranger from the outside. <laughs> Ooh. Like I mentioned, it was 1938, so spiritualism was big across the pond because life was kind of bleak. World War One had happened. They had lost a lot of people. So the news that they had local supernatural shit happening made Alma's neighbors become spectators. She had crowds on her lawn. There were multiple reporters, some psychics that would come by. There was one psychic who said that they thought that Alma was very strong with her abilities and that she had the gift of ectoplasm, which we know is fake, but... (laughs) But I will not lie, it used to freak me out. Those photographs where it's like cheesecloth, they say, or whatever, but it's like the ectoplasm coming out of the person's mouth and it's supposed to be like a soul uh, or yeah. whatever. But those would freak me out. Because I'm like, how do you how do you fake that? Because I'm such a fucking believer of that kind of stuff. How do you fake that? Anyway, but... So they were saying that she was really strong in that and also that all of this stuff was to help her know that her son, Don, he was in danger. So they actually had taken Don out of the house for a little bit. Go somewhere, like stay with your uncle, whatever, you know, like just get out of the house for a little bit. Don's like, what the fuck did I do? (laughs) But someone else had been drawn to her story and his name is Nandor Fodor. And if you remember that name, which I know you don't, Carrie, but other people might. It sounds very Harry Potter-ish. You are on a Harry Potter kick. Because it's really good. We were missing out. (laughs) But he had some dealings with something I know you will remember. Jeff the Mongoose. Okay, yeah. I remember that little sucker. Because he's you. What do you mean? Amazing, witty, charming. (laughs) Anyway, so this guy, he had learned about the poltergeist activity. And he was like, okay, this haunting might be the thing I need to get back in good standing with the supernatural community. Because Alma was this lovely looking like 34 year old housewife. Like, why would she make this up? Because, see, other people in the supernatural world, they thought that Fodor, he was too cynical sometimes. And they didn't like how he handled certain things. And so, again, I think they use spiritualism as a way to have this entertainment and everything. Yes, they wanted it to be truthful and all the things. But then also, like, hey, look over here, not over here. Mm -hmm. Just enjoy it because it's 
letting people live their life a little bit without thinking of all the shitty shit that's going on. Also, Alma was 80 years old in my head. <laughs> no, she was very much like the put together housewife. Very shishi. That's the thing too. Like they lived in a nicer house. Like, I mean, they had China dogs. They had True. egg holders. They had all these things. They weren't rich, but they were more well off than us. Yeah. Like, more well off than, like, their neighbors, too. So, it was just like, wait, what's happening to her? Like, this person who has it all together, what's happening? So, he was really happy that this Pulte kind of fell into his lap. And this was a way, you know, again, to prove himself a fair paranormal researcher. Wait, this what fell into his lap? I said a Pulte. Poltergeist. I know, is this what we're calling them now? I've called it before. Literally never. Don't make me go back through my notes. And then I will go back to that episode. No, you won't. Yes, I will. (laughs) Don't tell me I won't. I'll be like, I interrupt this broadcast to let you know that I fucking did. And here is where I said it. I've never heard you say those words. Listen, I don't lie like you do, Man Diego, but. (laughs) Because I have said that. And they found it. Somebody told us where I said it once. No, she said that you literally never had said Uh, it. Well, I have. (laughs) (laughs) I say that all the time. No, never. Tiffany (laughs) said, no, I've never heard her say that. Yeah, never. Never. I've heard other people say that. That's just not a word that you've used a lot. It is because I used to say I was going to move there. When? This is back when I lived in Houston. Okay, when we weren't around you? Okay, cool. Look, we all make our choices. Uh-huh. Now, if you said, did I ever say bizarre? I'd be like, 100%, you have said that a thousand times. That's so bizarre that you don't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho's, we're going on with this Pulte. Now I want your Pulte. Just kidding. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> you know what it does to your stomach. You ain't wrong. <laughs> you are about uh, Man Diego. <laughs> Teresa's going girls girls I will pull this car over no what did she say I will turn this car around all right well Fodor he spent several months with the family where he put Alma through various tests he investigated different claims he saw several different things when they first met him Alma and Les like showed him all the like hey this happened over the last four days and it was like a mess of shed. And it was 36 tumblers, 24 wine glasses, 15 china egg cups, five teacups, four saucers, a salad bowl, three light bulbs, nine eggs, two plates, a pudding basin, and a partridge in a pear tree. Now we have more. Two vases, one water jug, a milk jug, and a jar of face cream. Whew, that's a lot. Yeah, and that's what he said. He was like, okay, okay. Bring out the mongoose. (laughs) Well, so he and his research assistants invited Alma to the International Institute for Cyclical Research in South Kensington because they wanted to see if the activity would follow her or if it was only in places that she could control it. But the activity did follow and it changed too. Alma started having some out-of-body experiences, and she also brought forth a spirit guide called Brimba. Brimba was a Persian who had passed away, and when Brimba was in control, Alma's voice would lower into a manly tone, and sometimes Brimba would be violent. And 
not really Brimba, but he had a pet tiger. And so her skin would like break out in welts or like scratches where she would say that his tiger was attacking her and, you know, just things like that. And it was like, well, this is getting dark, you know, like this isn't what it was before. This is getting way more like attacking to her. Then Alma could materialize items out of thin air, like a small brooch, small things from her house, even terracotta pots. And it got to a point where she could materialize small animals like a mouse and I think a bird. Well, when this happened, they actually went out shopping and she was like, okay, look at this ring. Love this ring. Everything about it. Blah, blah, blah. You know, all the things. And then she handed it back to the clerk and she walked out because they were going to test and see if her like spirit guide, if the poltergeist, if any, like whatever was with her could help her out and get this ring. Okay. So she handed the clerk the ring back and the clerk put it on the counter. All the researchers were like, check, check, check. Saw that like nothing was behind the curtain, you know, nothing. Well, when they got into the car, Alma said that the box in her purse was shaking. And when they looked, there was a ring in it. And it was the one that she was looking at. And so all the researchers were like, look, I saw her hand it back to the clerk. Clerk set it on the counter. And so they were flabbergasted. It was like this ghost was her friend. Like it really was helping her. But then things kind of took an even more like dark turn because when Alma was at the Institute, Fodor's methods became kind of shitty. It was kind of like she wasn't safe at home and now she wasn't safe here because she really was like a test subject. And because he was kind of like second guessing all these things, because why is she manifesting these items out of thin air now? Like, why has this come up? Because it wasn't before. So he was just kind of second guessing stuff. So he made her strip down naked in front of women, in front of women, not him. Doesn't matter. Oh, I know. I know. And she would put on a one piece, then have her ankles and her wrists tied. Then her stockings would be sewn to her knickers and her hands would be like encased in those stockings and then sewn to the wrist. So she could not move. Like there's no way that she could sleight of hand, do anything. Right. Like whatever. But then they took it a step further and they would check her hair, her ears, her nose, her mouth, and she had false teeth. So they took out her teeth, like made sure nothing was in her teeth. Like, do you have a mouse in there? I I don't know. So really there was no way that she could hide anything. He didn't want to be fooled. Now, the only place she did not get patted down was her hoo-ha. And, you know, that was the only place. But I will say he got to where he was kind of side-eyeing some of that activity. So he tricked Alma into getting an x-ray done. And it showed that she was uh, concealing some objects inside her body. And if you know, you know. Like like a vibrator? (laughs) I didn't ever say she came up with the vibrator. I'm saying like she had a ring, but it was up her vag. Like, so she was... Well, she went prison on him. Yeah. Well, you said if you know, you know. Like, I should knowingly know that she had a vibrator or something. In her, like, she was hiding them inside her body. 
Well, yeah, duh. That's exactly where you go. Her vagina or her anus. Yeah, and so I said, if you know, you know. You went vibrator. <laughs> well, it seemed like a kind of thing. Okay. You said it, not me. Okay. Who's with me? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. Someone did a poll in the Facebook group. Great. And a lot of people are not with you on the socks. They don't know what's good. <laughs> well, so Fodor, even more, like he he was like, okay, so why is she doing this? Why is she the way she is? I have to understand more about her. Because, again, he's got to get in there deep. He's got to be that cynical person. Like, he, you know, got to do it. But he had been reading up on Freud a lot. And so he was like, let's talk about repressed trauma. And she's like, I don't think I have any. He's like, I think you do, though. And so lay back. Let me tell you about this. Blah, blah, blah. And so he, like, tried to tell her that she might have been sexually assaulted in the past or something. And that's why this was coming out this way, these feelings. It was just a lot of like, what? Because again, she didn't come out and say this. He was putting this trauma on her. Yeah. So then he was also thinking that she might have been in a loveless marriage. And so she was kind of pining after George, the lodger, and her feelings were materializing in this activity then. Huh. Well, the Institute was kind of mad because they were like, fuck, he's being disrespectful again to the side of the spiritual shit of this Institute. Also, not so great to this woman, but also like, hello, what we just said you shouldn't be, mm-hmm. you're being, and then times a thousand. Not good. So they kicked him out. And, and take your weasel with you. <laughs> but that just meant that the research into Alma was cut short, not completed. And that was that. What? Yeah. So Alma moved to the countryside. And I couldn't find where like her family moved with her. But I think they did. I didn't see that she was in like a loveless marriage, you know. And if anything... World War II was, like, kind of impending at that point, and Les had served in World War I, and so he was having some PTSD with that, and so I think if at all anything, if she was faking it, I think she was trying to get them to not have to go. Yeah. So I feel like she was trying to save him, not leave him, if that makes sense. Anyway, she did occasionally hold some seances at her countryside home, but she died in 1976 without anyone ever knowing what was haunting her. But a lot of people think that she was kind of like bored of the housewife life and wanted more, but also like the shit, like, because I left out some shit, like, I mean, smells would engulf the room and it's like how she do that i mean did they have stink bombs back then probably i mean they probably did but even then like i mean i guess she could have really good like pelvic floor muscles that could like do the stink bomb and something else like i'm just trying to think of how to but it would be like lilacs or rotting fish or you know it was just a lot of different things but at the same time Pulling a mouse out of her fucking bra. I don't know. 
I think it started out as truthful. I don't know what it is, but please come help me because who do you call? And oh, you're wanting these stories. Just like people will write to us and they're like, I want your opinion. Mm -hmm. And we're like, well, we we honestly don't know, but maybe someone will know that's listening. Yeah. But they write to us for help. And so I think that's what she did. She called and she's like, look, this is going on and I don't know what to do. But then she got a lot of attention. And I think she did see a way that maybe her son and her husband wouldn't have to go off to war or, you know, something with that. And so it kind of spiraled. Yeah, it, it got fake because she thought she had to keep going. It took on a life of its own. Yeah. And I don't know what caused it, you know, like what? Pulte. But I don't know what caused that. Like, was it Dawn? Was it her? Was was she in love with George? Was this guy? Like, I don't know. But I think that happens with a lot of things. Like, there is a little truth there. And then you got to sensationalize it. Well, I know one thing that Alma and I had in common. What? She a busy housewife, and I'm just fucking busy. Got that. You right. So, I don't have time to cook. She's doing all the running around, too. <laughs> Whopping mongooses and all. <laughs> intertwine these stories (laughs) they are now forever the same Uh but what i'm talking about though is daily harvest is back and we are super excited y'all know donna and i are the queens of eating out getting something to go (laughs) i didn't say okay okay keep going keep going getting something to eat Mm -hmm. we look we will stop somewhere we will go out to dinner we do all the eating out But look, we're going to break that takeout temptation, and we are doing some Daily Harvest. Daily Harvest delivers delicious food to your door. It's bowls, it's soups, it's flatbreads, snacks, smoothies, lattes, all the good, good organic fruits and vegetables. And you can put it right in your freezer, and it's right there, ready to go when you're hungry. And we all know that I go from hungry to hangry. Oh, in about 30 seconds. And that's about as long as it takes to fill up the milk or water that you need to make the smoothie. So it's good. But you could do that any time of the day because they have breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, and, you know, my fave, dessert. Yes, and it tastes like dessert, but it's a healthy, clean option for you. And if you're like me, fruits go bad. Well, they don't go bad when they're in the freezer with Daily Harvest. So you don't ever have to question if the food that you're eating is good for you because they create food, like Donna said, that's good for you and good for the planet. They support farmers who invest in practices that increase, you know, big words like biodiversity and improve the health of the soil. But look, they got something new. These are called harvest bakes. So these are when you're like, you know what, I want a little more like that homemade good good These are ready-to-bake, veggie-packed dishes that are chef's kiss. Yeah, they give that gourmet-level flavor, big enough to share. But you know I probably won't. But this would be perfect for a date. Mm Mm-hmm. I was just about to say that. For date night, for Donna. (laughs) So, look, avoid that takeout temptation like we said. So go to dailyharvest.com slash creeps with an S for up to $40 off your first box. That's dailyharvest.com slash creeps with an S for up to $40 off your first box. Don't forget dailyharvest.com slash creeps. C-R-E-E-P-S. Okay, so back to your girl. I don't know how I feel. I 
think it might have all been a sham. The girl was hiding shit in her vagina like she's up in the prison. (laughs) But again, was she always? No. But it was like after the fact, after it was, I don't know. I don't ever support lying like that. Like just. Uh Uh-uh. I don't do, I don't do the lion. No. (laughs) Which of the wardrobe. We went to totally different places. But seriously, I understand where you're coming from, though. But how did everything happen? I don't know. I You remember that show that would come on where the magician would show how the other magicians did the shit? Yeah, like, he had that scary mask on. Yeah, because, you know, a magician cannot reveal their tricks. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, is that? And it's like, it makes perfect sense. So it's probably just some shit like that. Yeah, you're right. I hated, look, I love that show, but I hated it because I'm like, oh, wait, that's it? Or like... Because, hello, it wasn't magic at all, but in my head, I'm like, wait, it was just a mirror? Yeah. Well, same with this. It's just whatever, because I don't think it's real. I don't think it ever was. I think it was all something. She was bored. She was this. I mean, look, people do some shit when they bored. Yeah, but she did not deserve to be, like, strip searched, I don't feel like. I felt like that went too far. Yeah, your boy is not good. So, he got the boot for a reason. Mm-hmm. Not saying he shouldn't have got the boot, but, like, I do wish somebody would have carried on what he started. But if they were so, like, quit trying to disprove this stuff, they weren't going to do that because he was onto something. Yeah. But I want to know how he tricked her into a uh, an x-ray. That's weird. Who knows? Well, they don't take all the precautions like they do now. I, I swear to God, when you said that, I was like, oh, gosh, she probably got radiation poisoning. <laughs> yeah, like, now you can't really be tricked. Well, what do y'all think... Do y'all think she was telling the truth or no? Let us know. And let us know about the FLDS and your thoughts on that. Do you think that they should limit Warren Jeff's communication? I mean, it's so hard, but I'm just like, he's a cult leader. You can't do it because you can't take away his rights. But then on the other hand, he's like still doing the shit that he's in prison for. Just not actively raping a kid, but he's still telling people to marry a child. Right. Well, in, in that talk suite documentary some people are still like they really do call him you know like father jeff or whatever Mm -hmm. and they're like this person like your friend i'm just gonna say like your friend carrie this was her thing she said that she was sexually assaulted and blah 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 and they're like well that's her experience not mine yeah and it's like wow yeah but i mean look at scientology look at literally look at any cult and i mean yeah the level of brainwash goes deep and like i said these people that are in it now for the last 20, 30 years, it's all they know. It's been there for so long that the deprogramming that it takes to get them out of that cult mentality, it's like, they're, they're, there's no way yeah, that they could do it still living in there. Yeah. I mean, people get out and go on to live full lives, but it's like, even if you listen to like Leah Remini and Mike Render's podcast, like sometimes she'll even talk about how like her knee jerk reaction is a very Scientology answer. And she's like, oh, wait, okay, no. You know, she has to like get out of that mindset. And it's been years that she's been out. I mean, what do we, I think it was like 2005 she got out. So we're coming on 20 years and she still has to condition her brain to not think in that way. It's because it's all she knows. So think about these people who are responding like that that are still living there. They're still, yeah. it's 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 all they know. Yeah. Well, y'all tell us what y'all think. Thank y'all so much for listening and supporting us. And remember, creep it real and, and don't, don't get, get scared. scared.